Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring, fascinating women who are navigating aging with class and sass. I'm your host, Nicole Christina. Today we're going to talk to Karen Rigney. She is the mother of four, and she is a town board counselor in DeWitt, New York, which is a, a town, a lovely town right outside of Syracuse. She's also a teacher of English as a second language and has done this in some different roles. I was reading, Karen, that you've taught stu university students and also Japanese businessmen. Is that, yes. is that true? Yes, business people, yes. It's absolutely. a business, yes, okay. And, um, that's that's a different those two are pretty different audiences i suspect um yes and in fact uh, i spent most of my career teaching french um and so i um in the last 14 10 to 14 years i got into the english as a second language for business so it's specifically for business i see so i'm guessing that there's particular words that you have did you have to learn certain very technical business terms to to teach to these Japanese business people? Yes, absolutely. I uh, when we're when I'm teaching uh, business people, we discuss all the all the things that they need to be able to talk about in their business, um, like negotiations, like uh, procurement, um, you know, office management. And then uh, things they might talk about when they take their client out to lunch, you know, do small talk and things like that. So, yeah, I've had to learn all about business. And I actually have always been fascinated with business. It's, I find it uh, an intricate art. And, um, and so it's been a pleasure to learn all about it and to uh, interact with these people. And I always learn from them. So that's the great thing about my job. Yeah, I would imagine that there's certain subtleties, right? When you're negotiating um, across cultures, you have to be pretty nuanced, I, I'm guessing. Oh, well, if you know anything about uh, Japanese culture, uh, business culture is extremely full of uh, etiquette. And it is etiquette that is very strict and it is completely different than how we deal with etiquette. Um, like for example, when you're dealing with um, someone uh, in business, you don't look at, look at them in the eye. That's considered oh. to be rude. And so they learn that that is considered rude in our culture, that you should look people in the eye in our culture. Oh so, my goodness. So it's 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 interesting and and when you offer a business card, that's a fascinating thing in Japan. You have to touch you have to carry it by the corners with your fingers and you have to treat that card as if you're holding that person in your hand. Oh and, my goodness. And so the Japanese come here and they get really really upset when they see people at conferences just passing out business cards like it's a a playing card. And so they uh they don't so they learn how business card etiquette is very different than theirs is. And how did you prepare for this? It doesn't sound, it's not something you can just, uh, I don't know, uh, do you pick up a book or how, how did you prepare for this? It's a whole different world. 
Um, you know, I've always been very interested in different cultures, and you know, that's always been a, a passion, a fascination of mine. I was very thrilled to be able to work with the Japanese, um, and I worked at uh, the English Language Institute. Okay, so this is a program through the English Language Institute at Syracuse University. Mm -hmm. And and they um, they provide you a certain amount of uh, cultural background, um, but a lot of it I learned just by speaking to my Japanese students. They would explain to me, and it's a good exercise in English for them to explain these things. They would explain to me what, uh, how, the way they do things and how they're different than what I'm teaching them. Wow, it sounds so much more. Uh, so much more of a rich experience than just here's the word for pure procurement for contract. <laughs> yeah, it sounds sounds fascinating. So I think you know one of the things we talk about on the show is how women are reinventing themselves and and being curious about how they want their lives to be after they've reached a certain age and. Part of that, of course, is um, if they have had kids, launching their kids and um, uh, sort of negotiating that whole thing of not being maybe a full-time mom anymore. And we were talking before the show, and you have an interesting kind of mishmash of launching, sort of partial launching, you know. <laughs> could, you, could you tell the listeners a little bit, you're a mom of four, could you talk a little bit about what your kids are doing and how that relates to your living situation? Oh, sure. I, I would love to. I, I always love a chance to brag about my kids. <laughs> 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 so my, um, my oldest daughter is uh, living with us at the moment only because she has a seasonal job. She works as a hotshot firefighter in the West. This is so amazing. Yeah, she's a pretty amazing person. So she's been spending the winter here with us um going to the gym every day lifting weights um she had uh, been very much into uh weight lifting and bodybuilding and uh, she's the only female on her crew of 20 people so the hotshot firefighters are the ones that do they're a very elite group and they do a lot of the more difficult wildfires out west um and so you know there's been I, a lot of them oh yeah she's been very busy um, I try not to think too hard about it because her job is really dangerous mm -hmm. and I've seen the pictures that she's taken, you know, and she's standing in front of a wall of fire, you know, oh. it's just as a mom, I try really hard not to think about it, but you know, she spent a lot of years sitting in an office and she wasn't happy with it. So, um, this is something she just loves is passionate about. So I'm very happy for her and, you know, she's 27 now and, and she and I are, um, we get along really well, you know, I'm really happy we're at this good place. So she's like a friend now. Mm -hmm. So my second daughter, Mia, is, um, she lives in Austin, Texas. Uh, she is a, um, an engineer in uh, industrial and systems engineering in uh, aerospace company. She, mm -hmm. she, she's this petite 25 year old. She looks very young, um, but she's a fireball. And uh, she leads a, a team of 15 men, engineers. Um, oh, my goodness. I know. They're all middle-aged engineers. And, <laughs> and she, you know, that's been a learning curve for her. She's called me up and saying, this is much harder than I thought it would be. Uh, so, but she is, um, I have, you know, she's doing great. And uh, she's, uh, she comes home whenever she can. Uh, she was here for Christmas. But I don't see her as much as I would like to. 
I have gone out to Austin a few times to visit her. So, um, so she's fully launched. Yeah. <laughs> um, my son, uh, Sam, who's 21, he just came home at Thanksgiving time from the Air Force. He spent a few years in the Air Force, and now he's, he's home, and he's trying to figure out his life. Um, so he's looking for a job. And so we don't really see when he's going to be um, launched yet. He's still mm. a, um, in process. Um, and then my youngest, Claire, just went off to college. Um, she's studying engineering like her big sister at Binghamton University. Um, mm -hmm. And she's perfectly um, launched in that way. But, uh, you know, in the fall, my husband and I thought um, that everyone was, you know, off. You know, everybody was gone. <laughs> right. And, and for two weeks, we were like, yay, we're up to <laughs> Next <dancers."> phase. Ready? <laughs> Ready exactly. for the next phase. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so we were like yay and then somehow we got roped into taking an exchange student now we didn't we didn't plan on taking an exchange student because you know there's no kids here to, for the exchange student to hang out with but nobody they couldn't find a family so we took her we said okay and she stayed with us for about six weeks but then my um, I had a re-election campaign I had to do Mm -hmm. And, and uh, we said, you know, it would be much better if you um, st went to the next family because we just couldn't spend any time with her. Uh, we Where was she from? She's from Austria. Uh-huh. And she's with her second family. She's very happy. They have three children her age. So, you know, it's a much better situation. But anyway, we only had two weeks alone. And then after she left, my son came home. <laughs> and, my, oh, and, and my firefighter daughter came home. So, um you know, it was nice uh, while we while it lasted. We just knew that we had to kind of wait a little longer before um, we're fully empty nesters. I think your experience is very uh, relatable. Um, that many people are finding that kids don't launch the way maybe we used to think about it. You know, sometimes they they come back right after college when they're looking for jobs or maybe they're living in the basement because they have student loans or whatever mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it's a little bit more murky than i think it once was mm -hmm. uh yeah my kids make jokes all the time about living in the basement yeah <laughs> um two of my children didn't go to college because they were really terrified of student loans unfortunately um but that is the sign of our times and uh um and the other two uh, have, are figuring it out. But, um, yeah, that's, I think that happens more and more. I hear uh, a, a lot of my friends dealing with the same thing. It sounds like you've been pretty flexible, too. I mean, you kind of got set to, to do this new phase, and then two weeks later things changed again. Um, sounds like you're pretty good at, uh, you know, uh, sort of flowing with it. Well, interestingly, when I was growing up, I have nine brothers and sisters. So my mother was a single mother of 10 kids. And, mm -hmm. and there was really no choice. You left and you didn't come back. Um, mm -hmm. And so I always, you know, as a parent, I always thought that, that that's the way you parent. You know, you push them out. You say you're on your own. Um, but my husband's sister, um, who's a bit older than us, she had a situation with two of her kids. And we watched how 
wonderfully she managed it and she was flexible and she, and it worked out really really well for her and her kids it was a difficult time for them they came back and they um her son had a, a baby while he was in college and so um but i watched how they they didn't take a hard line they said fine we're gonna watch your baby while you finish college you know and that wow. was a that was a really great thing for us to observe, you know, as parents. I think as parents, we don't. It's really important to watch and learn from other parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe not feel so alone. Not alone, and see how you can be a loving parent, um, even to your adult children, and and help them out where they need it. Yeah, that's lovely. Hello, Zestful Agers. A short intermission to thank you for the incredible amount of downloads. I love creating this podcast, and it's so satisfying to know that you are enjoying it too. Creating and hosting Zestful Aging has been a blast, but it does require a lot of time and resources to deliver a high-quality interview to you every week. So I've signed up with Patreon, which is kind of like Kickstarter, but for ongoing artistic projects. Unlike Kickstarter, the donations are recurrent and the amount is usually smaller. When you become a patron of Zestful Aging, you will receive special benefits like behind the scenes info, a place to communicate with other listeners as well as other patron-only bonuses. These funds will be used to make equipment upgrades, particularly for mobile interviewing, and to travel to interview guests like to New York City to interview participants in the Diversity Fashion Show. I also need to hire a professional editor. So please go to patreon.com forward slash zestful aging and make a small but vital donation. Thank you for contributing to the ongoing success of zestful aging. And I can't wait to bring you more juicy, inspiring interviews. Now back to the show. Do you want to talk at all about your political life? I'm curious when that started and, you know, sure. how, how you got into that. Um, I got into that about f- maybe six years ago, five or six years ago. Um, my kids were all, you know, older. Um, my youngest was 13. And I suddenly realized that I was not in the trenches, um, you know, as as deeply as I had been before. Um, I don't have any family who lives nearby, so everything was always on me and my husband. Um, We really didn't have any support. Um, And so, you know, raising younger children was really intense. So when Mm -hmm. my youngest got to be 13 and and she, you know, she didn't have a lot of needs, um, you know, and and we live walking distance to the school, so the schlepping wasn't as intense. Um, but I started, I've always been really interested in, um, world events, in, uh, politics. Um, I've, you know, I just really, and I'm passionate about, 
um, uh, about helping people. And so when she got to be older, um, I decided to join our Democratic committee here in our town. Um, so I started going to the meetings and uh, before I knew it, they started telling me I should run for office. <laughs> and I'm going, I bet that Wait. was a surprise. <laughs> that was a total surprise. I'm like, are you crazy? You know? <laughs> um, because, you know, I mean, I had no, like, official background in it. I just knew a lot about it. But, I, um, but honestly, I didn't even know that much about local politics because they were asking me to run for local office. So, so I kept saying, no, that's... That's absurd, you know. And then, uh, and then one of my friends died, and he um, he was not old. He was in his forties, and I was at his funeral. And mm. I walked out of the funeral, and I noticed there were some messages on my phone. And I listened to the message, and it was from the chair of our committee, and she's saying. Karen, I know that you don't think you're ready for this, but I really think you're ready. And I, I would really strongly urge you to run for town board. And at that moment, I was I had been thinking about life and how unpredictable it is and, you know, how life is short. And it just hearing that message, I said, you know what? Why not? You know, and um, so perfect timing. In it a was. Way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I decided to do it, and um, shockingly, I won. <laughs> um, mm. I say shockingly simply because I'm not a very extroverted person. Um, I'm not a very social person, uh, but, um, but I was able to get out there and uh, win the election, and I just won my re-election. So. I saw that. Congratulations. Thank you. My, my daughter came up to me, and she said, Mom, you won a re-election. I guess the first time wasn't a fluke. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Thank yeah, you very right. much. <laughs> yeah. And you've lived in, I know that you've talked about your interest in, in world, the world and, and cult, different cultures. And, and in fact, you, I know you've lived in France for a while. Um, is that one of the favorite, your favorite places? Favorite oh, cultures. it is. It is. I love France. Um, yeah. I'm a Francophile. Um, I, I belong to a French group. I attend uh, once a month, a group of lovely people who um, just all love French, too, and we speak French. And um, I lived in France for three years, um, and uh, one of those years was with my four children. Mm-hmm. And that was fascinating because... We were able to really live like French people because they went to school. We, you know, lived in a neighborhood. We got to know a lot of people. They would invite us to their homes and their parties. And it was really a great experience. Um, but living in Europe, um, I also, we also lived in Germany for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really uh, helped us understand how the rest of the world, at least in Europe, um, how they do things differently and think differently. Um, I, I really think that everyone should have the opportunity or hope um, to try to get the opportunity to step out of their own world and culture and be able to look at it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Because that really has um, helped me understand our own uh, culture here in the U.S. So it's been a fantastic experience. And mm-hmm. I, I work right now with a lot of uh, people in Italy and France. And um, 
I'm I'm always always learning from them. Different so ways. you have these, you know, the, these really um, lovely stories about how things, you know, what you're interested in, what you're curious about, what you're passionate about, that kind of, that make you tick. You know, it sounds like the culture, you know, certainly your family, your teaching. Have there been any challenges for you uh, since, you know, being... Um, let's say a certain age, anything going on that you've had to negotiate as you've um, gotten more mature? I'm sure. I mean, when your children start to become young adults, your relationship goes through a, a change, you know, you are having to transition from them being under your wing to them not being under your wing, you know, mm -hmm. and you have to, you have to kind of figure out what that relationship is, you know. Um, so my daughter, Mia moved to Austin and she's not a big telephone person, you know, she, she's very uh, intense in her work and in her world there. And so it's like she disappeared, you know. And mm -hmm. so I'm always trying to reach out to her and, um, and call her and, and because, you know, the worst thing you want is for your kid to think you forgot them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 and I want to form this relationship as adults. You know, my oldest daughter, since she came home, it's been great. You know, she and I have found that new relationship, you know. Um, this is the first time she's come back home since she left when she was, she left when she was like 18. So... You know, it's been almost 10 years since, you know, she and I lived in the same house. So it's been a great experience for her to come back. And now we have found this new relationship, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm working on that with all my kids. You know, my youngest, of course, just went off to college and I still think of her as under my wing, but she's trying very hard to get out of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have now different versions of the children you raised almost. You have to reacquaint yourself. Absolutely, so now, absolutely. Yeah. They're not little children anymore. You you can't just tell them what to do, and um, you know it's. I, I'm I'm kind of a a little bit of a. I I would not say I'm a helicopter parent at all. Okay, I've never been a helicopter parent, but um, I I can be a little overbearing sometimes. <laughs> I recognize that. Um, <laughs> you know, and when they're young adults, they don't have to take it. You know, it's like. <laughs> I don't have to do yeah, this well. So. Yeah. And the raising is done, right? I mean, you put your work in and, you know, the rest might be crossing your fingers. Oh, gosh. It, it, it sometimes really is. You know, we're struggling with that right now um, with my son because he's right now he's at home and he's trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And, you know, my husband and I are like, oh, well, we've got all these ideas for you. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's not necessarily what he wants to hear you know um so it's it's tricky it's tricky with that tricky and you uh you said before the show that you're celebrating your 32nd wedding anniversary yes yes wow. in february in february wow. so, yeah it's um you know it's been we married in when we were in college so it's it's been a long long marriage um you know, and, uh, you know, 
uh, we also have been going through the transition. Um, and I have to say, though, that the transition of the kids, um, you know, launching has been a really positive thing. You know, he and I mm -hmm. are both like really, uh, we like each other a lot, you know, my husband and I, and mm -hmm. uh, we'd like to do things together. And um, so the launching of the kids was something we both were, you know, looking forward to spending more time with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Good news, bad news. They want to come back, but you'd like a little room, too. Yeah, I didn't realize how much, um, how stressful it was to see a bunch of shoes at the front door. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I... I I, f I didn't, I'm learning a lot about myself, really, because I spent many years raising kids and living in a certain degree of chaos. And then they slowly went away, and I started seeing more order around my world, and, I, and it made me feel more peaceful. And, and then when they came back, I have this mountain of shoes by my front door, mm. you know, um, yeah. and I'm tripping over them, and it's, it's causing me a lot of um, stress, and it's, it's interesting to me to learn what, uh, what physical chaos around me, um, how it affects me. And mm -hmm. I didn't realize it before because it was just a, a state of being before. Right. You didn't maybe know any different um, or you're just so used to it. And now you have <laughs> a different aesthetic that you've experienced that you like. Absolutely. Yeah. I really mm -hmm. like not having to wipe off the counters every time someone else eats. <laughs> mm, right. It's those little things that yeah. really bug us. Any other, you know, you talked so, so eloquently about, you know, negotiating the parenting and, um, you know, the partnership with your husband. Anything else that's been uh, surprising? Um, as you've gotten older that, you know, perhaps you didn't expect, but anything come to mind? Oh, where, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was thinking about this. Um, I thought about this a lot, is that after I got elected the first time and I started, like, I just jumped in with both feet when I got elected. I'm like, okay, I got elected to, and, and the voters are, you know, expecting me to represent them and and help them with things they can't do themselves and so i just jumped in with both feet and i started doing all this stuff and i realized that this was the right place for me you know and and i didn't realize uh it was a big surprise really um i didn't know uh that this job would be so fulfilling oh uh, and, so and so well suited Right. I would have never, first of all, I would have never run for office had I not been really coaxed into it. Um, and then when I got there, you know, it was terrifying, of course, because, you know, it's a job I had never had before and I had a lot to learn. Um, but when I got there and I started doing all this stuff and I felt like I was making a difference, I was like, wow, this is really, this is where I should be. And it was a big surprise. Um, so I would say that that it's important sometimes to try things, especially, you know, I knew in my whole life I was interested in politics and, and uh, world events. And um, I, 
I didn't ever see myself in that world. But if there's something your listeners are interested in after and if they have the chance to step into it, I think um, they might be surprised to find a place that they find really, really happy and fulfilled, you know? That's such a beautiful example of what this whole podcast and, and also my course is about is really kind of growing into yourself, having the the time and the space to say, okay, you know, my my major mom duties are are lessened or gone or whatever. And now what am I gonna make this time look like? Because as we get to be older, we know that there's more time behind us than there is, and it becomes so important, right, to say, I better make this count. Yeah. What do I really want to do? And you've just clicked into that so beautifully. Thank you. I I have to say, my, when, um, when I got elected the first time, my, my daughter Mia, she said something really interesting to me. Um, she said, you know, mom, I am so proud of you. And I'm so happy to see that you're doing something with your life that you really like, as opposed to constantly following your children. And she said, she said, you know, it's so great to see you have a life outside your children. And that was from my daughter, you know, so my kids have been very proud of me. And that means a lot to me, too. Wow, what an opportunity to grow, you know, outside. And I think, you know, women, too, I mean, we, for the most part, we take this mothering thing very seriously. You know, we want to do it well. We want to raise our children to the best of our ability. And it is all time-consuming, all energy-consuming. It is. Um, It really is hard to do, um, you know to really discover other parts of ourselves. Well, you know, we suppressed it for a long time to a certain extent, right? I mean, when mm-hmm. you're raising kids, what else can you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say that when I was raising my kids, there were three years when we lived in Europe that I did not have an outside job. And I have to say that was hard because, I mean, it's not easy being a working mother, not at all, not by any stretch. But being an at-home mom has its own challenges mm-hmm. where you don't have that part of you that's separate outside of motherhood that you're developing. And, and I felt like my brain was atrophying, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, you know, my kids were very small and we would do a lot of things together, but I wasn't developing a separate part of me at that time. And I found that very difficult. And I think there's a dirty little secret, and my clients will talk about this in the privacy of the therapy office, but sometimes mothering and parenting can be pretty tedious. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's this like, okay, what are we doing now? We're eating, we're sleeping, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of monotony. I mean, you adore your kids, but there's times when it's just like, you know, um, my friend calls it being... Is it a scully maid or on the ships, you know? (laughs) Here's your food. I'm cleaning you up. And, you know, you you do. There's a certain numbness that comes like, are we eating now? Are we now, you know? So, 
people don't often say that out loud, but um, I think there's truth to it. I have to say that, you know, one thing that helped me was I used to take my kids to the library all the time. And mm -hmm. I remember the f discovering the wonderful world of children's books that I would not have discovered if I hadn't had children. And that really was uh, great for me. I felt like I was able to indulge a little bit in art. <laughs> well, I was ah. at the same time raising my kids and helping them become readers. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Now, I just have to say from, uh, I think our, our listeners would want to hear this, but I do have to ask you about the march. And um, I saw on Facebook that you were at the march in Seneca Falls. Is that right? Yes. And yes. Could, you, could you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so I, I actually ha I went to Washington, D.C. last year, and I brought my youngest daughter with me. Um, and that was that was really intense. And we decided not to go back to Washington this year. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, Seneca Falls was lovely. It was beautiful. Um, and I brought my oldest daughter this time. Um, and my husband came also this time. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, I I like to say that I want to be counted. That's why I show up to these marches. Because um, after living in Europe and seeing the power of the people, uh, they like to show the power of the people in Europe. And everybody in Europe feel, you know, it, to a large extent is on the same page. That's so important for them to show the power of the people. They um, have a better voter turnout, am I right? Oh, yeah, that? I think everywhere does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, um, I really uh, want to be counted as one of the many people who attend these marches to show that, that we are here, we're not going away, and we're not going to stand for our, our rights being trampled on um, as women, as human beings, as American citizens. And I do believe that the marches are symbolic, but at the end of the day, if people don't vote, that's the real power we have. Um, and so I, I like to encourage people to vote. The, the sign I carried in Seneca Falls said, if you don't vote, you're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, my, my daughter, um, she didn't necessarily agree with that sign, um, but I do feel strongly that if you don't vote, you're giving away your power to someone else. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're not really uh, steering your own country. So the march was beautiful. There were lots and lots of people, a lot of fun signs, uh -huh. uh, interesting signs. That was great. And, um, and the, the speakers were amazing, oh. really, really inspiring. And what a place to march, right? I mean, we're fortunate that we're not that far away from the, the sort of the center of all that historical activity. Yes, we were, unfortunately, we were dis disappointed that the, the, uh, the Women's Rights um, History Museum was closed because of the government shutdown. Oh, that's ironic. It was very ironic. Um, my husband wanted to go in, uh, but we, we couldn't because it was closed. Um, so yeah, it, it is really really special that we live so close um to that area in fact on the way home my daughter and i were like we're only an hour away we should come here more often <laughs> oh wow you know? yeah how was it for your husband being there 
Um, my husband has always said that he's a feminist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's a really good guy and he really agrees that things are not the way they should be. Um, when women are not paid, uh, the same amount for the same job, it's, it's kind of crazy. And the fact that we haven't passed the ERA is, um, mind boggling. So my husband and I, we feel the same way really about it. He's, um, he's always ready to go out there and, and protest as well. It's a family affair. Yeah, pretty much. That sounds wonderful. You've, uh, boy, you've really illustrated just this coming into yourself, you know, as a grown woman and living richly and with the sense of purpose that I think we all are striving for. Um, are there any last pieces of advice that you might have for women who haven't quite clicked into these, you know, to these paths? Uh, like you have yet that they're still new at it they're still wondering okay how do I do this now I know things are changing fast but I'm not quite sure you know it's like that what now question do you have any uh, words of wisdom for women who are um, still exploring I, I guess um I guess I would say that uh, try different things that you know there's not a shortage of opportunities to experience things around. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of classes out there. There's all kinds of groups. Um, you know, if if you're even like in a tertiary way interested in something, go to it. And uh, and I think people will be surprised what they find. Um, it may be something you you think will be okay and you find out it's fantastic and it's what you want to do mm -hmm. um you know there's really and and if you are needing to do something that is you know bringing in money as well um you know the first step is to to go experience something with it you know uh talk to everybody you know and and just explore don't be afraid to leave your house and and try something. I think that's really, really important. And in fact, I, I try to tell my kids that because even if you don't know what you want to do next, um, you won't you won't figure it out by sitting home. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about, and this is what the the positive aging research talks so much about is having a a sense of engagement mm -hmm. and curiosity that it just keeps us alive and lively. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a whole yeah. world out there and I believe everybody is put on this earth um, to do something and something that fulfills them in a passionate way. And, and we don't always know what it is, but we won't find out if we just sit home. Mm -hmm. that's, that's lovely. Karen, thanks so much for talking to me today and sharing your really interesting experiences and you know it's just such a, a beautiful example of really coming into yourself um, and I think our listeners are going to really appreciate that so I just wanted to thank you again for taking the time I know you've got a lot going on well thank um, you for inviting me I appreciate it yeah it was really fun um, I just 
Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. I love to hear from my listeners, so send me an email at nicolechristina.com and tell me what you'd like to hear more about. I would also greatly appreciate if you could hop on iTunes and rate the show. Ratings help other people find the podcast so I can share all these good juicy interviews with others. I would also invite you to become a patron of the Zestful Aging Podcast. Hop on over to patreon.com forward slash Zestful Aging and consider making a small donation. You will be eligible for insider-only goodies and behind-the-scenes information, and it'll help you feel good knowing that you're contributing to the Zestful Aging podcast. I'll look forward to sharing more juicy interviews next week on Zestful Aging.